Hi, this is Shiva Raman from Johns Hopkins University. So this is going to be a three-part series where I'm going to mostly concentrate on the CT imaging of focal liver lesions. We're going to begin with a very brief discussion of CT technique, protocol optimization, and the role of 3D reconstruction in hepatic imaging. But I'm going to concentrate mainly on three broad categories of liver lesions. We'll start with hypervascular liver masses, which I think is the most important differential diagnosis. We'll move on to solid but predominantly hypovascular liver lesions. And then we'll end by talking about a variety of benign and malignant cystic masses. At Johns Hopkins, we strongly believe that dedicated hepatic imaging requires, at the very minimum, dual-phase technique. So anybody with suspected hepatic pathology is going to get both an arterial and a venous phase, and that's typically at 30 to 45 and 60 to 70 seconds, respectively, after IV injection of contrast. Now let me point out that we don't routinely acquire either non-contrast or delayed images as part of our protocol. But that being said, the delayed images in particular do have some utility in certain specific patients, and we'll talk about that during the course of this lecture. Now I know that Dr. Fishman has talked a lot about 3D post-processing in his lectures on CT as Us, so I'm not going to go into these techniques in too much detail. But you've learned a lot about MIPS, vascular mapping techniques, VR, and the ease with which you can get NPRs directly off the scanner. Now I'm going to show you a number of examples in this talk where the 3D post-processing makes a really big impact in terms of our diagnosis. And that's not only in terms of identifying lesions that we may have had trouble seeing on the source axial images, but also in terms of illustrating subtleties of a mass or disease process that may help us make a more specific diagnosis. So let's start with the most important differential diagnosis in my mind, and that's hypervascular liver masses. We'll talk about some relatively common entities here, things like hemangiomas, FNHs, adenomas, HCCs, and then vascular shunts. So in this category, by far the most common entity is going to be hemangioma. Now, hemangiomas are very common. We all see many of these every day. And these lesions all derive their blood supply directly from the hepatic artery. Now, as a result, all hemangiomas have a relatively characteristic pattern of enhancement, peripheral, nodular, globular, interrupted enhancement with gradual centripetal fill-in over the venous and delayed images. Now, I should point out that the rate at which hemangiomas can fill in can vary widely. Some can fill in relatively rapidly on the arterial phase itself, whereas others may take a really long time to fill in and may not even fill in on a really delayed image. But in general, I think most hemangiomas are not diagnostic dilemmas. And I think most of us find them relatively easy to diagnose. The problem is with larger lesions, you may start to accrue some atypical features. Things like heterogeneity, a large central scar, or even large dystrophic calcifications. So here's a classic example of an hemangioma on multiphase imaging. Notice how it has that characteristic pattern of peripheral, globular, interrupted enhancement, and we're seeing gradual centripetal fill-in on the venous phase image. Now this is so characteristic that I think you don't need to get a follow-up examination. You don't need an MR. You should be able to make a relatively confident diagnosis based on these images alone. Now, you don't necessarily need multiphase imaging to make the diagnosis either. Here, I'm just giving you a couple of images from a venous phase image study. But notice how it has that characteristic look, peripheral, globular, interrupted enhancement, and you kind of get the sense that there's starting to be some fill-in towards the center of the lesion. You don't need multiphase imaging here. You can confidently say that this is a benign hemangioma, and you don't really need any follow-up. Now, larger lesions can be confusing. Here's an example of a 30-centimeter hemangioma occupying nearly the entire right hepatic lobe. But if you sit back, you take your time, you apply the same standards you would to a smaller lesion, you can see that this gigantic mass is still showing that classic pattern of gradual centripetal fill-in on the venous phase image. Once again, you can make a confident diagnosis based on these images alone. 
Now, the second entity on our list is much less common than hemangioma, but it's still something that comes up, I think, relatively frequently, and that's focal nodular hyperplasia, or FNH. Now, FNHs are composed of all the different constituents of the liver, hepatocytes, bile ducts, and copra cells. And as a result, traditionally, these lesions were thought to take up technetium sulfur colloid when you did a nuclear medicine study. And more importantly, nowadays, if you do an MRI with EOVIS contrast agent, FNHs are going to avidly take up the EOVIS on a delayed hepatobiliary phase, unlike other entities like adenomas, HCCs, or metastatic disease. Now, FNHs, like hemangiomas, derive their entire blood supply from the hepatic artery. But nevertheless, they have a very characteristic pattern of both enhancement and morphology. First of all, from an enhancement perspective, FNHs are homogeneously hypervascular on the arterial phase. And in general, they're going to enhance to the level of the IVC. Now, because of their intense hypervascularity, FNHs very commonly will show a large hypertrophied feeding vessel going directly to the center of the mass. But at the same time, Rather uniquely, FNHs will never show any internal neovascularity or tumor vessels. And I think that's a key differentiating point. The lack of neovascularity, in my mind, differentiates FNHs from other entities like adenomas or HCCs that are often confused. Now, as obvious as these lesions are on the arterial phase, FNHs are almost completely invisible on the venous phase images. And that's why they're often described as being stealth lesions. I've seen a lot of lesions where they've been obvious on the arterial phase, but I can't find them on the venous phase images, even knowing that they're there in retrospect. Now, from a morphologic perspective, FNHs should be extremely well circumscribed. They often have this lobulated pattern that I've heard described as being akin to a flower or a carnation or even a popcorn. Now, they're very well circumscribed, and they also tend to be really, really homogeneous. And in fact, even an FNH that's 10, 12, 15 centimeters in size will still be extremely homogeneous. And that's, again, another key differentiating feature that allows you to differentiate an FNH from an adenoma or HCC. I'll tell you, you're never going to get a large HCC or malignancy that's going to be this homogeneous. Now, they tend to be homogeneous, but it's not uncommon to see a little bit of a central scar. And that central scar will tend to enhance on the delayed images. So here's a classic example with two distinct FNHs in the right hepatic lobe. Notice how each of these lesions is homogeneously hypervascular, they enhance to the level of the IVC, they have this lobulated flower-like morphology, and they're completely invisible on the venous phase images. These are true stealth lesions. Now here's another example which, with a much larger dominant solitary mass. Notice how homogeneously hypervascular this mass is. You're never going to see an adenoma or an HCC that's this homogeneous. Notice also that despite its avid vascularity, there's absolutely no internal neovascularity or tumor vessels. In a patient without a history of an underlying malignancy, without a history of chronic liver disease, I would feel 100% confident saying that this is an FNH and is unlikely to be anything else. Now here's another example. Notice how this lesion is homogeneously hypervascular, but completely invisible on the venous phase image. It's a stealth lesion. But here the vascular map really helps you in terms of illustrating a subtlety of the lesion. Notice how there's a large feeding hypertrophied branch of the hepatic artery going directly to the mass, but there's absolutely no internal neovascularity. That's a key feature, and just based on this vascular map image alone, I would feel pretty comfortable saying that this is an FNH and is unlikely to be anything much worse. Here's another example. Hypervascular mass, it's exophytically extending off the right inferior aspect of the liver, there's a large hypertrophied branch of the hepatic artery going directly to the mass, but there's absolutely no internal neovascularity. In my mind, strongly suggestive of an FNH. Now, the third entity in our list, hepatic adenoma, is much less common than FNH. I'd say I see many FNHs every year, but I don't see more than just a few adenomas 
you know, over the course of a year, and most of those are referred in from the outside. The majority of adenomas that I see tend to be in young women who are using oral contraceptives. But intermittently, I'll see someone who's been on chronic steroids, who has severe steatosis, or even has glycogen storage disease. Now, unlike FNHs that have no real clinical significance whatsoever, adenomas are important lesions to diagnose. Not only can these lesions present with hemorrhage, up to 20% of patients, adenomas can also in rare cases malignantly degenerate. And I've seen a few cases at Hopkins where adenomas have transformed into HCCs. Now let me point out that unlike FNHs, adenomas are composed of only hepatocytes and Kupfer cells. They don't have a bile duct constituent. In other words, if you do an EOVIST enhanced MRI, adenomas will not take up the EOVIST contrast agent on the delayed hepatobiliary phase. Now, adenomas, like FNHs, derive their entire blood supply from the hepatic artery. But that being said, they don't really have that characteristic appearance that you're going to see with an FNH or with an hemangioma. They tend to be very variable in terms of how they look on every phase of enhancement. I'd say the only term that really consistently describes an adenoma is that they tend to be heterogeneous and somewhat variable in terms of their appearance. Now, they will tend to be hypervascular on the arterial phase, but particularly as they get larger, it's not at all uncommon to start to accrue heterogeneity, hemorrhage, a central scar, or even internal fat. They can be very variable in terms of how they look on the venous and delayed images. They can wash out, they can be isodense, or they can remain markedly hyperdense. Many of these will actually show a well-defined peripherally enhancing capsule on the venous and delayed images. Now let me point out that adenomas, because they lack really a reproducible or consistent enhancement pattern, it's really difficult to make this diagnosis specifically without taking into account the patient's underlying history. Adenomas in the, with the right clinical history is a diagnosis that you can suggest prospectively. But that being said, based on the imaging appearance alone, it may not be possible to distinguish them from an HCC or even a large hypervascular metastasis. So here's an example. There's a large, well-defined hypervascular mass in the right hepatic lobe. Notice how it's heterogeneous. It's got a central scar. There's lots of internal neovascularity. There's a feeding hepatic artery branch going directly to the mass, and the mass remains hyperdense on both the venous and the delayed images. But I think importantly, in this patient, we were able to suggest a prospective diagnosis of adenoma, largely because it was a young woman who was on oral contraceptives. But that being said, based on these images alone, I don't think you can distinguish this mass from an HCC or even a hypervascular metastasis. Here's another example. The liver is big, it's boggy, it's hypodense and steatotic. There's a large hypervascular mass in the right hepatic lobe that's actually subtly washing out on the venous phase images. Now, in this case, we prospectively were able to suggest the possibility of an adenoma because the patient had an underlying glycogen storage disease. But once again, without a history, it is impossible to distinguish this mass from an HCC or a large hypervascular metastasis. Now, I don't want to make it sound like it's so easy in terms of distinguishing FNHs and adenomas in day-to-day -day practice. All too often, I've sat in front of the workstation and have struggled with making this distinction. But there are some clues, I think, that can help you differentiate them. First of all, as I mentioned before, FNHs are incredibly common. I see probably several FNHs every month. I don't see more than a few F adenomas every year. FNHs, as I mentioned before, should be homogeneously enhancing. No fat, no internal hemorrhage, no capsule, no calcification. Adenomas, on the other hand, particularly when large, are almost always going to be heterogeneous, and it's not at all uncommon to see fat, hemorrhage, a capsule, or even internal calcification. So our next entity is, in my mind, the most important entity in this list of hypervascular masses, and that's HCC, or hepatocellular carcinoma. 
Now, HCC is the third leading cause of death worldwide, and I'd say the vast majority of these patients have an underlying history of chronic hepatitis or cirrhosis. Now, HCCs can present as a solitary dominant mass, multiple intermediate size lesions, or even as diffuse infiltrating HCC, where discrete individual lesions aren't really going to be able to be identified. Now, depending on the extent of disease in the liver and the presence or absence of metastatic disease outside of it, there are several different management options. Isolated lesions may be amenable to surgical resection. Patients may be lucky enough to qualify for liver transplant. Or in some cases, patients may need chemoembolization or even chemotherapy. Now, it's important to remember that even though many centers are moving away from CT imaging or CT surveillance of patients with cirrhosis and towards MR, that CT is still an excellent modality for the diagnosis of HCC. The overall MDCT sensitivity for HCC is well over 90%, and even though both the sensitivities and the specificities tend to fall for lesions under 2 centimeters, that's going to be true for MR as well. Both CT and MR are going to struggle in terms of small lesions. So if you're at an institution that's still using CT for this diagnosis, I think there's nothing wrong with that, and I think CT is still an excellent modality for the surveillance and imaging of HCC. Now, HCC tends to have a pretty consistent enhancement pattern. They tend to be hypervascular in the arterial phase, particularly when small, they're going to be homogeneous, but as they get larger, it's not at all uncommon to see some internal heterogeneity. Central scar, internal fat, internal hemorrhage, or a well-defined peripheral enhancing capsule. Now, perhaps most characteristically, HCCs will wash out in the venous or delayed phases. And what does that mean? Washout means that these lesions are going to be hypodense to the surrounding normal liver parenchyma on the venous or delayed images. So as I mentioned earlier, at Johns Hopkins, every case with possible hepatic pathology is going to get a dual-phase protocol, both arterial and venous phase imaging. And nowhere is that more critical than when you're imaging patients with suspected HCC. The arterial phase is absolutely critical. And in particular, I think you need a late arterial phase between 30 to 35 seconds after IV contrast injection. If you're just doing venous phase imaging, you are going to miss a large number of lesions, and many of these lesions are only going to be identifiable by their hypervascularity on the early phase images. Now, the delayed phase images are a little bit more controversial. A lot of early literature suggested that about 10 to 15% of HCCs would only be visualized on the delayed images as lesions with isolated washout. And they suggested that many of these well-differentiated HCCs wouldn't have a lot of hypervascularity. Now, I think that that may not really hold true in today's day and age with faster scanners, and I think we're more reliably able to get peak arterial enhancement with our modern-day images. But that being said, if you're still doing delayed images as part of your protocols, there's nothing wrong with that, and you may have an easier time seeing some of these well-differentiated lesions. Now, I think it's important to remember that HCCs are one of the few lesions that can be treated with liver transplantation. Now, there are two major criteria systems out there, the Milan and the UCSF criteria, that are going to help clinicians decide whether a patient is going to be amenable to liver transplant or not. Now, I don't think it's important for you to memorize these criteria or to really, you know, commit these to memory. But that being said, I think it is important to remember that your dictations really matter in terms of the patient's ultimate treatment options. If your institution is following the UCSF criteria and you measure a lesion as being 6.6 centimeters, that patient is no longer transplantable. On the other hand, if you measure that same lesion as being 6.4 centimeters, they potentially could be transplant candidates. You have to be very careful in terms of measuring lesions, figuring out how many lesions there are in the liver, evaluating the presence or absence of portal vein thrombosis, and finally, evaluating for any subtle evidence of metastatic disease outside the liver. So here's a classic example of a small HCC. 
Notice how there's a 1.5 centimeter hypervascular mass near the liver dome that seems plain as day on these arterial phase images. But let me tell you, this same lesion was completely invisible on the venous phase, and if you were just doing arterial, or just doing venous phase imaging, this is a lesion that you would have missed. You have to do arterial phase images as part of your protocols. Now here's a much larger lesion that I think none of us are going to confuse for anything but HCC. But that being said, it nicely illustrates the classic features of hepatocellular carcinoma. It's hypervascular. There's lots of internal neovascularity. It's washing out in the venous and delayed phases. And notice how there's a clearly defined peripheral enhancing capsule. Now, smaller lesions tend to be more homogeneous. Notice how in this example, there's a 3-centimeter hypervascular mass. It's washing out subtly on the delayed phases, and because it's small, it's relatively homogeneous. There's no central scar, there's no heterogeneity, there's no internal fat or hemorrhage. Now, the vascular maps can often help illustrate the extreme amount of neovascularity and vascular shunt, shunting that's often associated with these lesions. In this example, there's a large hypervascular mass that's washing out in the venous phase images, but notice how there's multiple foci of neovascularity, there's AV shunting, there's arterioportal shunting, all of which are characteristic of HCCs. Now, one specific type of HCC that I think it's important to know about is fibrolamellar HCC. Now, we're all taught in our residencies and fellowships that fibrolamellar HCCs tend to occur in young patients without cirrhosis or any history of chronic liver disease. Now, in theory, fibrolamellar HCCs are thought to be less aggressive. But in my experience, I haven't actually found that to be the case. Many of the patients that I've imaged with fibrolamellar HCCs have done extremely poorly, often developing carcinomatosis and extensive lymphadenopathy relatively early in the course of their disease. Now, fibrolamellar HCCs tend to have a lot of the characteristic imaging features of regular HCCs. They're going to be hypervascular, they're going to show delayed washout, they're going to show a well-defined enhancing capsule, and they're often going to be large and aggressive looking. But that being said, unlike your run-of-the-mill HCCs, fibrolamellar HCCs have a special propensity to develop a central scar, and they're often going to show a large central dystrophic calcification. So here's an example. This is a young person, 25 years old, without any history of underlying cirrhosis or chronic hepatitis. There's a large hypervascular mass in the right hepatic lobe, and notice how it's washing out in the delayed images, and it's also showing a well-defined enhancing capsule. In a patient this young, without a history of any underlying chronic liver disease, I think your presumptive diagnosis has to include fibrolamellar HCC. Now here's another example, large, aggressive, heterogeneous looking mass in the left hepatic lobe. This is again a young patient without any underlying history of chronic liver disease or cirrhosis. And notice how there's a large central scar with a large dystrophic calcification. In a patient without a history who's relatively young, in my mind this is a fibrolamellar HCC until proven otherwise. Let's end our discussion of hypervascular liver lesions by talking about vascular shunts. And I think these are a source of confusion for all of us who read a lot of liver CT. Now, vascular shunts, for the most part, are easily identifiable as not being true lesions. They tend to be peripheral, wedge-shaped, they often have a central dot or vessel sign, and they don't really look mass-like. But the problem is, in some cases, vascular shunts can look very focal. They can look like real lesions. They can be right in the center of the liver, and they can measure 6 or 7 millimeters in size, and for all the world could look like a small HCC or even hypervascular metastasis. Now, making things even more confusing, vascular shunts tend to become more prevalent in patients who have underlying cirrhosis or chronic liver disease. So how should you deal with these in your day-to-day -day practice? In general, I think you should always hesitate when dealing with small hypervascular foci that measure under 6 or 7 millimeters in size. Statistically, small hypervascular foci at this size are most likely to represent small shunts, and I think we shouldn't overcall these lesions as all being HCCs or hypervascular mets.
In general, when I'm confronted with a small lesion that measures 5 or 6 millimeters in size, that looks focal or mass-like, I tend to just follow them over time. I say that they're statistically likely to represent small vascular shunts, but I recommend that they be followed in 3 to 6 months to make sure that they don't change in size or get larger. So I think we'll end there and take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about solid but predominantly hypovascular liver masses. 